pretty amazing. I, I have seriously appreciated just not only being in the vineyard and being part of this family and part of this community, but getting to do life and ministry with Brenda for 33 years. This year for our anniversary, we went to Minneapolis and watched professional bull riding. <laughs> like, who gets to do that on their anniversary, right? This is awesome. And everybody at our church asks her, are you going to ride a bull? And they're like, have you ever watched that? <laughs> no, no way I'm going to do that. It's fun. Hey, do we have uh, a video to show? We're, I'm going to start with a little Multiply Vineyard announcement before we get into stuff. So here's a, here's a video we recorded this year. The sound is really good, too. Multiply Vineyard exists to come alongside every single vineyard church and to help them multiply. See, our local churches are called to make disciples, to partner with what Christ is doing in our local communities. And we believe that what God is doing in your local community is worth multiplying in other places. In the vineyard, we want to plant churches because we want to obey the call of Jesus. We know that there's a people here that are needing to, to see the kingdom of God break through in their lives. And we know that the kingdom is out there. It's with the broken. It's with the lost. And so we wanted to open our doors and have a place to receive them and to also bring the kingdom to them. What God is doing in your life is worth multiplying. What God is doing in your church, in your city, merece multiplicarse, is absolutely worth multiplying. What God is doing in your local church is really worth multiplying, and Multiply Vineyard wants to come alongside you and help you do that. travel around with a small little film crew and we went to about 12 locations around the country uh, where vineyard churches are being planted in English, Spanish, and Chinese, in uh, Mandarin and Cantonese. And it is so incredibly encouraging getting to hang out with these worship teams and these leadership teams and see these local churches 
that are actually bringing the power and the presence of the resurrected Christ to their communities in really tangible, like really sweet ways. And so, like, I'd just like to start off by just saying uh, the vineyard around the country in, in different ways, in different shapes, different forms, is doing incredibly well. And it's a really cool family to get to be a part of. So, like, and this region... This is like an amazing region, and I'm not biased at all. <laughs> Best regional leader. <laughs> yeah, it's really cool. So um, here's the deal. We've got an event coming up uh, in January in San Luis Obispo, California. It's January 14 to 16, uh, the Multiply Vineyard Summit. We gathered together last year in Miami to this year. We're doing uh, the other coast. And uh, we gathered together once a year. We had about 250 people join us in Miami last year. Uh, and we just took a look at all the different ways that God is multiplying the church today and the things that we can learn from that. Uh, we have really three main groups of people that come, and we have tracks and things set up for each of those groups. This year will be different than last year, so if you attended last year, it's like a whole different event that you get to come to. Um, we have stuff set up for you if you are discerning a call to church plant, or maybe you've discerned a call and you're in preparation mode, uh, there's specific stuff for you. If you're a current church planter, registration is free. If you've planted in the last five years, registration is free. We would love to have you there. We have some really good soul care set up for you and just ways to kind of come alongside and encourage you in the midst of that. We'd love to have you there. And then if you're part of a church and you want to like learn how to do this better, there's a whole bunch of resources there. We've got some great speakers this year. Uh, Ralph Moore, who helped uh, actually helped start the Hope Chapel movement. They've planted uh, more than 1,000 churches uh, around the world. He's going to be there. Charles Montgomery, Dr. Charles Montgomery from the Columbus area, is going to come and speak to us, kind of a biblical uh, a framework, how to think about multiplication. Renee Cunningham, or from right here in our region, is going to join us and talk about how it is at the Evanston Vineyard that she was invested in and trained up and really set forth to do that kind of stuff. Is, is that what you're doing, Renee? Did I say it right? Yeah, exactly. Cool. I didn't want to like misrepresent you there. And uh, it's, it's going to be a really fun event. So if you can get out there, you can join us. Uh, once again, uh, our region, uh, I talked our regional leader into splitting the cost with me. Uh, of uh, an Airbnb for our region. And so we have, I think it's like 15, 20 uh, places to sleep and lots more floor if you bring a sleeping bag. Um, what you have to do is connect with Brian Brinker. Where's Brian at? Brian's in here somewhere. There he is. Connect with him and you can get a place at the house. Right? Last year you texted me and I lost some of your texts and you showed up and we still found you a place to sleep. Um, but apparently I'm not the best at that. And so connect with Brian and uh, we would love to get you a place to stay. So just think about it. Like, your housing could be free. You could just come stay with us in California in January. It's better than Duluth. <clears throat> it's probably better than Chicago. It might be better than Minneapolis, right? Sioux Falls, I don't know. It could be you know, better in Sioux Falls in January. Anyway, so we have limited space there. We'd love to have you come to that. Okay. Um. In our local church this fall, we kind of plan our sermon series like a year out. In our local church this fall, uh, we had planned to do a sermon series on embracing the tensions of the kingdom. 
there, had, there, there was a talk that, uh, actually a series of talks, Steve, that you and somebody else did. Who was that? Did, did that? Oh, Derek Morphew did it with you out in Maine. And uh, I, I had gotten a hold of those videos. I, I think they might be on the Vineyard Digital Network. And it just kind of, for the last few years, has just been like exploding in my imagination. All the different ways that God invites us to actually walk in tension. But, but here's the deal. We don't like tension. Like, I don't know what news, news shows you listen to, or maybe you steer away from the news completely, like, like I would like to be able to do, right? There's a lot of tension in the world today on a lot of different issues and a lot of different things. And uh, one of those, one of, there, there's several, like, I think, biblical tensions that God actually invites us to walk into. So, like, one of the tensions is, you know, this whole tension that we see in the scriptures around salvation. There are things in the scriptures that point very clearly to when we make a commitment to follow Christ, when we put him first in our life, we submit to him as Lord and King that we are saved. And yet, Paul writes in one place, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. It, it almost seems when you read the scriptures like we are saved, we will be saved, we're being saved, and you better like steer a straight course if you want to be saved. Like, and, and, and I don't know if you're like me, but I, I, I read stuff like that, and there's a whole bunch of those, and we're going to unpack more of those as this week goes on. But there's a whole bunch of those things, and it can often feel like, I don't know, like really confusing. Like, which is it, Gatlin? Like, which is it, Lord? Which of the ten, which, which, which of those things is it really? And I experience in leadership, I experience those tensions, right? Like, I experience the tension of, like, I'm trying to lead people to have a healthy relationships in their life and healthy relationship with God, but then healthy relationship with the other humans. And I don't always feel like my relationships are all that healthy. I'm probably the only one, <laughs> right? I'm trying to, I'm, 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 I'm walking down the path. I'm pointing towards the destination. There's other people that are trusting me, uh, who, God knows why, to like kind of help guide them down that path. Do you, do you ever get the tension there? Or the tension even like in leading ministries where I feel like most of us in terms of the things that we lead and the things that we're doing, we're kind of hoping that at one point they get stabilized and it feels like things are somewhat secure and stable. Like, do you know what I mean? Like I experienced this like just, you know, with Brenda raising our three kids. At some point we're gonna know what we're doing, right? And, and, it, and it feels that way just in terms of leading the church. And, and yet, we're also always supposed to be taking risks to follow what God's inviting us into next. And it, it dawns on me that while we would almost always like to resolve tension, that the place where you get to really encounter the presence and the power and the Holy Spirit is in the place of tension. I made my living for years as, a, uh, as an artist, as a watercolor painter. I sold working galleries and did illustrations. And one of the first things you learn in art school is like how to manage the tension, like two-dimensional tension, like on the paper. The tension between 
color and the tensions between you know complementary colors or or black and white or the tension of space on there that that honestly like you don't have great sculpture you don't have great painting without tension you don't have art without some degree of tension like i don't know if you've ever watched a movie where there's no like evil person like nobody's bad nothing's bad it's actually a really boring film like there's there's, there's actually no like struggle there it's not even worth the movie and the time it takes to make it. Or even like music, like we, we love to worship with music. The chords and the harmonies that we sing are tensions. It's tension in the sound. Now there's bad tension, like if I were to play the keyboard, you'd get bad tension, right? And somebody that knows what they're doing plays it, and you get the right kind of tension. Here's, here's, here's my point. Rather than trying to resolve the tension and get rid of it, I think we're actually supposed to embrace it in lots of different ways. And, and the, the big point I want to make with that is that while these tensions often feel uncomfortable, I think they're very life-giving. And so one of the things that I've seen in our region, you know, in the past like seven, eight years that you've been our regional leader, you've been amazing at it. Did I say that lately? Seriously, you have. One of the things that I've seen is a really great like um, uh, a focus on actually being healthy ourselves and caring for ourselves. And like I'm one of those folks that I could just keep going like a million miles an hour and keep doing stuff and kind of just ignore myself, right? Like I, I, I could do that. They have a word for that. It's like type something. What is that? You guys know what that is? Type A. The first letter of the alphabet. That's cool. That guy, that guy wins. <laughs> right? Like, we, we could do that. And then eventually, like, you don't care for yourself. You crash and burn. And so, like, I love the way that we have leaned into really learning how to have healthy relationships, how to be emotionally mature. Like, Peter Scazzaro's work, I think, is brilliant in that. And there's so many other people doing good stuff. There's several of us in our region have recently been participating in something called faith walking. One of our staff uh, leaders calls it faith crawling because <laughs> it takes so long to process through and to dial up some of this stuff. And the, the whole premise behind that is that in our first 10, 11, 12 years, we experienced a first formation. This is language that comes from Dallas Willard that we experienced a first formation in our lives, that we were formed, that things happened to us in our lives, and, 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 and we have a way of living today that kind of comes out of that. And then what, what Christ wants to do in our lives, somebody's calling me, stop it. Um, that what Christ wants to do in our lives is actually to reform us. What the Holy Spirit, one of the things the Holy Spirit does is he reforms us into the image of Christ. And faith walking is just one of those really cool tools that followers of Jesus have come up with over the years to kind of help us grow in that. And there's a whole bunch of stuff like that. Or even like our soul care appointments. It's like we have some really great things that we have pressed into to really help care for ourselves. And listen, like I'm learning stuff about myself. I turned 60 this year. That's awesome, right? I know some of you thought, he's that young? <laughs> I don't look a day over 80. It's great. I have learned so many things just in the last year or so about 
who God made Michael to be and the things he's inviting me into and the way that I can grow and be a more healthy leader and just a more healthy human along the way. I love that. But then there's also stuff that God is continually calling us outward. He's continually calling us to lay down our lives for other people. We've said it often. I've heard it. You've probably said it. The church is like one of the only institutions in the whole world that doesn't exist for itself. That we exist for those who are not yet a part of us. Right? The incarnation wasn't about Jesus just coming for himself. Like, hey, sweet, I made it to planet Earth. Let's take a selfie and get back up there. No, it's like laying down his life for us. And so there's this tension that we walk in of really wanting to be incredibly healthy and really great leaders in that and really building really healthy communities and healthy churches and healthy region and constantly leaving the door open for more. Years ago, I was listening to a guy, uh, uh, Ed Stetzer, talk about this, and he grabbed a microphone on a cable and he started doing this with it. And everybody who like, works with mics was like grimacing. And I thought, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to bring my little, my little happy face ball that's supposed to hang in the garage and tell you when you've pulled in far enough. <clears throat> I've, I bought this so I could put it there, and I've never installed it. <laughs> I'm really bad at home repair. <laughs> Just to illustrate this point, that like right now as I'm doing this, there are like two forces going on. For those of you that are physicists, you probably could do a way better job of explaining what's happening. But I love this illustration. This illustration really helps me a lot in thinking about like how to balance the tension of God calling us to be really healthy churches, <laughs> really healthy churches and really healthy communities. Good thing it wasn't the microphone. <laughs> just a foam ball. It's not going to hurt anybody. Don't get worried. Like, really, seriously, I could just hit myself with it. It doesn't, doesn't hurt at all, all right? It's a, whew, it's a good thing it didn't hurt. And it's, but it's a great illustration for me of this thing, right? So what's going on right here? Centrifugal force. It's me spinning it around. This is not the technical definition but of centrifugal force, but it's the force that's pushing the ball to the outside. And then, send, what, what's the other one called? centripetal force. It's like the string, the rope, that's keeping it from flying across the room. And it's those two forces working in tension that makes it able to like do fun little things like this, right? Like That's what makes it able to do that. And those things are constantly going on in the church of Jesus. So one of my favorite studies is through the book of Acts. And in the book of Acts, one of the things that you see right away at the beginning, as the Holy Spirit comes and begins to build the church, the church builds koinonia, they build community. There's this really cool Greek word, like uh, homothudian, that speaks of being in one accord, being of the same mind together. I'm not sure I've ever seen that really happen outside the book of Acts. Okay, there was one board meeting I was a part of where we all agreed, <laughs> right? But it's like we see this incredibly cool stuff going on in the church and the community that's being built. And then the community just grows and grows. You see, it was like, 3,000 people in Acts chapter 2, and then you get to like by Acts chapter 4, there's like 5,000 people there. But the church is not expanding very far or very quickly. 
It's not really leaving Jerusalem, at least in the way that I'm reading this. Those of you that are better theologians than me might point to something else, but like I don't see it really leaving until what happens? Acts chapter 8, Stephen becomes the first martyr. He's killed for his faith. Persecution breaks out against the church, and it scatters. It's like there's this thing that God does in us as community like i remember getting baptized in this little mennonite church and i remember like coming up out of the water pastor ted baptized me he pulls me up out of the water and there's these what i thought were little old ladies in the front row um crying they were probably like 40 years old but <laughs> when you're when you're like 17 18 it feels like little old ladies in the front row and they're crying and i asked him like why are they crying because they were like worshiping and kind of crying in this little mennonite church where i got baptized and um and he said they're so glad now that you're part of the family. And I thought, part of the, uh, when's dinner? <laughs> I'm part of the family? It's like, it's amazing. Like, do I get Christmas gifts? Like, what is this thing really all about? And that, that, that community just welcomed me in. There, there was the centripetal force, the string, that was like drawing me in into this community, just pulling me in as a part of it. And you've probably experienced that. And it's incredibly powerful and it's incredibly strong. And like, I love that. Like, I could not have like grown as a follower of Jesus without that. But then the very next thing that happens for me is I begin to think about my family and my friends that don't know anything about this. I had never had a serious conversation about God with anybody up to the point that I met this youth group at this little Mennonite church. And they welcomed me in and they brought me in and then I began to recognize other people need this thing. You've experienced the same thing, right? Like we all have. That's like a normal part of it. And what happens is we tend to, based on maybe our personality, our makeup, our spiritual gifts, I don't know what, we tend to either really focus on the outward force or the inward force. And then my argument today is like we need them both. 100% pedal to the metal, both sides of this thing all the time and it's a tension and we have to work at it and i don't know which one of those is harder for you i'm guessing one of them's harder for most of us than the other like you probably can't guess which one's harder for me it's the community it's like the spending time with people like it's it's, it's that right what, what happens is like i get to know you a little bit and i'm like maybe this doesn't happen with you, but I, like you get to know people a little bit, and after just a few times of getting together, you're like, dang, you're annoying. <laughs> do, you, do you ever experience that? I mean, I'm sure that's what you're thinking about me too, right? <laughs> <laughs> and then what you want to do is you want to end up separating yourself. Or the other side is that you're so intense on this community and having great relationship with this group of people that everybody else really can just go to hell. Right? I mean, th that's the way it ends up being. And, and I, I think God's inviting us into a really cool tension of that. And most of us are church leaders. And so it's like there's really good stuff in the scripture about building. Like think, think of the, the rope as the, the church and, and the really good stuff that we build in here. Right? And so there's all the one another's of scripture where we are called to really invest in one another and build strong relationship and press into those things. And what can happen is we could have such a thick rope 
kind of going to the church. This illustration breaks down really fast. We could have such a thick rope there that you can't even spin it around anymore because there's no weight on the end. Or you could have such a strong outreach, like the ball at the end becomes like a wrecking ball. It's huge. But you're trying to spin it around with a piece of thread. And there's no real connection and relationship there. Okay, I'll drop the illustration now because I probably can't take it much further than that. Am I making sense? Okay. You guys have experienced that tension too? Okay, well, let me just talk about ways that we really... Um, I'm skipping through a bunch of my notes here because I did them. <laughs> Some ways that we maybe reasons that we kind of let go of the mission that God's invited us to. Like, let's just be really honest for a minute and think about some of the ways that we just kind of disengage from mission. I think it's the nature of the local church that it's meant to reproduce. That's probably why I get to lead Multiply Vineyard for a while, right? I think it's the nature of the church. This is what it's supposed to be doing. That when a local church is healthy, it's supposed to reproduce. That evangelism is supposed to be like one of the big parts of our communities, inviting new people constantly into relationship with God. And it's so incredibly encouraging when we see that happen. But there are several really good reasons why we let up embracing the mission of God. One of the reasons is we, we, we get kind of involved in church life, we get involved in community, we get involved in stuff, and somebody says something or does something... Our feelings get hurt, and we just begin to disengage. Ever experienced that? Like, I don't know about you guys, <laughs> because, I, because th throughout most of my ministry, I've preached a lot. People say the weirdest things when you're done with a message. <laughs> and I've often like, thought, wow, I could get really hurt by that. But because I am who I am, I'm like... I think that they're probably like confused and maybe they just learned English and you know and they didn't even know what they were saying. Right? They're Minnesotans. Right? So like we could easily get discouraged and disengage from relationship. We can disengage from community. We could really invest, many of us have invested tons of hours and time and energy into other people and into other relationships and not seen any fruit from that. Like you invest and you invest and you invest and you don't see fruit. And then you do it a few more times and the fruit that you wish you were seeing, you don't see and it can cause you to disengage from that. Or have, has anybody um, ever experienced folks that like they're a part of your community, a part of your small group, part of your church, you're pretty sure you're gonna do life forever with these folks. And then they leave. And sometimes it's really good reasons, like they're going out to plant a church or something. They're going out to like, you know, uh, go, go do medical missions in Kenya. They're, they're going out, I'm just repeating some of my stories, right? Or sometimes it's just like they got hurt by something, and then they leave. I'll, I'll never forget one family that I met that kind of left our church, and the wife said, well, I can tell you don't like me. And I'm like, wow, I, I don't even remember thinking positive or negative thoughts about her. And I said, what made you think that? We actually were able to have a conversation. She said, well, there's this one Sunday you got done preaching and you just like walked right to the back and I smiled at you as you're walking by and you just frowned at me. And so I could tell you don't like me. Well, oftentimes I get done, I really just have to go to the bathroom. 
I'm just being honest now. That's probably what was going on at that moment. I probably just needed to relieve myself, right? Loss of relationship. People that you really love that you thought you're going to be doing this stuff for a while leave. There's this thing about as people go, even if they're going for all the right reasons, that it seems like every little bit you're starting over with a new group of leaders and beginning to train them again. And some of us get really tired starting over. It's like, wow, I get to do this again. And it can feel really wary, can't it? Anybody been there? I've, I've, I've heard folks say, I've heard kind of pastors say, I'm done investing, I'm done investing. Think about that for a minute. I'm done investing in the next group of leaders because I can't handle the pain of them leaving and going on. It hurts, and so I'm done. So don't expect a relationship with me. Wow, that kind of puts the stopper on things. That kind of puts the cork in the bottle like permanently when, when we do that, right? The hard, the hard work of starting over. Sometimes we're not investing in some of the next people that are coming up just simply because um, maybe the, <laughs> the generational gap is too large. Last night, there was a, a young man in Duluth who's uh, Colby. Where's Colby at? It was your brother. I got to hang out with your brother. He's a sweet dude. Anyway, I, he didn't know that Colby was leaving to come here on Monday, and so I'm hanging out with him at church just having a conversation. I go, hey, let's get together and just grab something to drink on like Monday night after Colby's gone. I don't, I'm not leaving till Tuesday. We were hanging out together. It's a 20-year-old and a 60-year-old hanging out at a coffee shop. I got to teach, I got to teach him what a cortado is, you know? Like, really, you get, have you tried that? It's amazing, right? Shot of espresso, okay, never mind. And, um, but it was really interesting hanging out with 40 years difference between us and just kind of talking about life and observations. And eventually, when I got over the point of just thinking about the things that I had to do, I started asking uh, Stephen questions, Stephen, right? I started asking Stephen questions, and um, it was fascinating, his take on my generation. It was. It's like, I just kept, why do you think that is? And why do you think we do that? And what do you think of that? It was real. I mean, sometimes the generational difference, though, like, I couldn't believe how far apart we were on so many different, like, just observations about life. Sometimes that generational difference is too big, and we quit doing it, or nobody's actually pushing us to reproduce and train leaders. There's not somebody kind of standing over us going, hey, keep investing. There's lots of reasons. I bet, I bet you could come up with a couple. Reasons why, like investing in the next generation of leaders, like kind of passing stuff on, that maybe, maybe not you, but somebody that you know has let their foot off the pedal, even just a little bit. I'm really curious, what might one of those things be that I didn't mention yet? Again, not you. Somebody at the other table. What might a reason be that we kind of take our foot off the gas and we stop investing in the next generation or the next group of leaders that God's bringing into our community that he wants to engage in his mission? Why might we disengage from that? What's that? 
Oh, fear of me being replaced. Exactly. Which wouldn't be much. I mean, it wouldn't take much. Right? Honestly. Like, it would not take much to replace Gatlin at anything that he does. Like, I know that's true. And so, yeah, it could be a fear of, like, losing your position, losing what you're doing. That's really good, Gino. Cool. Somebody else. Don't know how to invest in them. Wow. Yeah. I never thought of that one. That's good. Time. Exactly. Time's a big one. Did, did I hear you right? Is that what you said? Time? Yeah. yeah. Time to do that. What's another one? What, yeah, what's uncomfortable about it? What, what would you say is uncomfortable? Getting to know new people. Getting to know new people. I know. <laughs> well, I thought of that last night. Like, should I go hang out with this 20-year-old and teach him about coffee? Or and just hang out and pick his brain? Or, you know, there's what? Peaky Blinders. I mean, there's other stuff I could watch, right? <laughs> I just made that up. That's funny. <laughs> What's the first thing that comes to your mind? Oh, I think one of the big things is not having not learned how to deal well with disappointment. So let me, let me, let me get to a few things that, that I think that God really wants to grow us in this as a region. I think that my, my take on this, based on what Brenda asked me to do, is that this is an incredibly healthy region that functions in very, very well. Like, I am so glad that God has put me, like, in this region with the leadership that we have and the things that God is doing. I think he wants to push us a little bit this week towards engaging in his mission in, in, in deeper ways that expand uh, what he's doing in our midst. I don't think there's any neighborhood in our region that wouldn't be better off with a really good, healthy vineyard church. I think every single neighborhood would be better off. If there was a really good, healthy vineyard church teaching moms and dads how to be better moms and dads, helping us connect with Christ, helping us connect with the, the living presence of God, the Holy Spirit, and really rearranging our lives in some really productive ways, I think every single neighborhood would be better off if there were more vineyard churches. And so there's, but here's, here's a few things that let me, let me just say, like, you know, that different ways that we can stay engaged and kind of handle the disappointment uh, that comes our way oftentimes as leaders. So here's a good one. And I'm really bad at this one. Even in the midst of the most disappointing things, learn to celebrate. Like, learn to celebrate. I'm not a great celebrator. Man, I just want to move on to the next thing and tackle the next big project, right? I'm horrible at celebrations. Except when it comes to my birthday, I want that to be a month long. I'm so busted, right? Like, uh, like, but I'm not good at this thing. People go, hey, we're just going to, we just want to celebrate it. I'm like, okay, fine. You know, but God did this and God did this. But here's the deal that I've learned. I can look around any part of the stuff that I lead, that I'm involved in, and I can see things that are really disappointing. But if I change my gaze just a few degrees, there's a really cool story going on. Like, God's bringing healing to somebody's life and, or to their relationships or, or, like, in a really cool way. And then I just move a couple more degrees, and I'm depressed again. And a couple more degrees, and I'm excited again. Like, I, I'll never forget, um, Steve told me one time that this job is perfectly designed to make you manic depressive. <laughs> and I thought, this is supposed to be encouraging? 
right? And so but you can ask him what he meant by that and how to get out of that later on, right? So, like, there's a lot of stuff that's worthy of celebration. Just aim at it. And if you're horrible at celebration like me, take the extra, like, step to be with somebody who's actually good at celebrating and don't minimize their celebration, right? Don't minimize it. In fact, here's a principle that works for all of this. When you're feeling like, for whatever reason, like disengaging and pulling back, when you're feeling frustrated or you're feeling disappointed and your natural knee-jerk reaction is to pull back a little bit, realize that's from the pit of hell. And the thing that you need to do is lean in. Right? The thing that you need to do is sit in the front row and participate in worship. The thing that you need to do is actually press into some deep healing. Come up and get prayer. John Wimber used to say, never trust a leader who doesn't walk with a limp, like be honest about your weaknesses, and that doesn't get prayer on a regular basis. And most of the leadership mistakes I've made in releasing people and giving them stuff that didn't go well, two things I noticed that they don't do hardly ever. Come up and get prayer and engage in worship in the front freaking row. Like, force yourself to do that. Like, as you begin to do that, you'll see God actually do some stuff in you that you couldn't have done any other way. And so press into that, right? Um, and then an- another thing, when, when, it's not, when you're not feeling like engaging, like keep the big picture in mind. I used to have this uh, really big letters in my office when uh, we were first kind of getting started, kind of replanting the church in Duluth. Um, and it just was a quote out of Matthew. Jesus said, I will build my church. Jesus has been doing this for a long time, and he's really good at it. And he'll do it with or without me. But my joy is that he invites me to participate with him. He invites Michael Gatlin to participate with him. Like, that's amazing. Like, the kid in fourth grade who couldn't shut up and got in trouble for everything, right? Even though I was like an extreme introvert. Like, he invites me to participate with that. So God's kingdom is not in danger of collapsing. Keep the big picture in mind. And then when things get really hard, here's something that I, here's a depressing thought that I find very encouraging. <laughs> it could be like a double negative and somehow it turns out positive, but here's the thing for me. Um, em- embrace a biblical perspective. Some of the difficulty and the frustration that we experience might be part of what it means to share in the suffering of Christ. This might be part of what it means to share in his suffering. Remember when... Uh, the early apostles uh, got flogged, you know, for, um, uh, for preaching the gospel, and they went away celebrating that they were worthy to suffer. I think some of the criticism that we face and some of the stuff that comes at us, that might be actually what's going on. Um, Clint, the guy with the cool mustache, reminded me today of in Job how Job, at, the, at all his losses that he experienced in the first couple chapters, he tears his clothes, he tears his clothes, and then he worships God. Like, at the point where you might be tempted to say, is God sleeping on the throne? Where is he at? Job leans in and he worships him. He leans in. 
like what I was talking about earlier. That's really good. And, and then staying on that negative thought for a minute, I think that for me personally, I really experienced the presence of God in the middle of pain. That I just honestly, I allow myself to experience the pain. Like I lean into it. Like this really hurts. And part of what we want to do, I think, is we just want to like remove ourselves from it. And so what some of us tend to do then is we either remove ourselves, we isolate, or even worse, we begin to medicate and try to minimize or dull the pain. But what if you did the opposite? What if you leaned into the pain? You know those times where you're like praying or reflecting on some hurtful words or something that you tried to do that didn't work and you can feel the emotion coming up? One of the things I love about my beard is my beard has power. I can just go like that, and it pushes the emotion back down. <laughs> and that's like Thor's hammer, only different. <laughs> but what if you just like part the beard and let the pain come up? That's what I, I mean. I just picture that. I don't actually part my beard. That would be <laughs> weird, right? <laughs> Thanks, Dave. That would just be weird, right? So, but I I, I let myself get overwhelmed overcome by those emotions. I let myself cry. And then I ask God to meet me in the midst of that pain. And I experience his presence there. Like in really great ways. And so like allow that to happen. You don't have to keep it at bay. You don't have to shut it down. Some of the most unhealthy people I've run into along the way are folks who don't experience the feelings that God gave them. And then they end up hurting lots of other people because they don't know how anybody feels. They can't even express how they feel. And so allow God to bring his healing to you in that way. And don't give in to the medication or, you know, the, the, the hurts of ministry run way too deep. And if you don't learn how to connect with God and, and learn how to... Uh, uh, in, invite him into those things. Like the Psalms of lament are powerful. Like allow, uh, allow God to come and meet you in those places. Spend some time there in silence and solitude. Let the thoughts just rumble as they will. Allow the presence of God to meet you there. The, 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 the pain of doing leadership and ministry is way too great for you to do it alone. You, we, we can't do it without the without the power and presence of Christ in there. And then keep pursuing your own transformation. Keep pursuing your own transformation. This, let me, for those of you that are younger than me, let me give you a secret. You'll never run out of things to work on. <laughs> Ever. And don't let that be depressing. Let that be encouraging. Like, God's got a lot of stuff he wants to work in. And the things that you think you dealt with, <laughs> you didn't deal with. <clears throat> like, the things you go, oh, yeah, I dealt with that. No, 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 no. The moment that you find that coming out of your mouth, just kind of bow in humility and say, well, I probably dealt with that a little tiny bit last year, and it's going to come up for the next 50 or 60 years. <laughs> There's stuff that God wants to do. I think we get, we get caught off guard by stuff that kind of comes at us, and then... We don't get to press into that. So that's the internal stuff. Like, how, how do we keep the mission? How do we keep, like, envisioning the next generation for what God's mission is? 
I, I think here's a couple things. Like, spend time with people that are way younger than you and way older than you and just keep doing this. Press into community. Like, spend time with the Stevens that are 20 years younger. Spend time with the, the children who are in, like, third, fourth, fifth grade. There's a little guy in our church right now. I always look for the little, the, the little guys and gals in our church that look at me and just want to, like, interact. Right? And... Um, Becca, Becca, what's your, son, what's your son's name? I always forget it. Elliot. Elliot sees me like across the room and just comes running with his arms open wide. Like, I always make time for that little guy in my life. Why? Because maybe by the Holy Spirit, he sees something in me that he wants to be beyond the beard. Right? Maybe, just maybe. And if I treat him well, like I'm investing in the next generation. Am I making sense? Go spend time around folks that are way younger than you, and then go spend time around the folks that are way older than you, because they got some really good stuff to share, like, and way older than me. Like, spend time around them. There's really good stuff to pass on. It's a two-way street. And then stay, stay present to people who have deep personal needs. I love the way in, in Matthew 9 that uh, Jesus says, um, he looked out at the crowds, had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And you already know this, but those words that are translated harassed and helpless, have, they're a lot stronger than what that, those two English words come off. It's more like they've been shoved to the ground so hard they can't get up and filleted from stem to stern. Like connected, like, like I, I love just walking through my community and beginning to pray for the people that live in the houses and say, God, let me see people the way you see them. Because you see them as harassed and helpless. I see them as, wow, they got a really nice boat and a couple cool motorcycles. They're probably doing fine. But they're not. Like, apart from Christ, they're not doing fine. And so continue to spend time with people who, um, who have, uh, so that they can have a personal encounter with God's love. One of the things that we did at, at our church early on, this is before, I think it might have been before the iPhone. Wow, ancient history. We actually put up a paper map on the wall and put pins for the vineyard churches that were in our region. And so a paper map with like roads and cities and stuff, and we put pins on them. I like got an intern. Here's all the lists of the addresses. Like put pins in the map. I have no idea if she did it right or not. The thing that, and I just wanted to use that as a way to say we're part of a larger movement. Here's one of the things that happened. I had people come up to me pretty much several times a year that, that when I had that map up saying, how could I get to be one of those pins? And I'm like, the first time that happened, I'm like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. Like, I'm going to have a map up all the time. Because I'm envisioning the next generations for what God wants to do in them and through them. And the Holy Spirit's working with people. And so, like, even simple things like that, just as a way, God is always raising up in every generation men and women who will call that generation to repent. In every generation, he does. Who will live out the reality of Christ's presence and call people to repent. Like, I just want a hand in helping train them, right? So then here's the other thing. It takes a lot of time to do that. Like, we have to be willing to invest time in that. That means I have to say no to other things. I was reading John Mark Comer's book yesterday. Um, 
ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. And one of his stats in there that I looked up on my trusty digital device after I read the book was that we touch our phones on average 2,600 times a day. Since 2007, this little device has totally changed our, the way that we pay attention to the humans in front of us. 2,600 times a day. And if you're a millennial or younger, I was checking to see if anything was in my pocket. <laughs> Thank you. That's awesome. It just, whoop, there you go. <laughs> oh, I love it. And so offer training for those that come towards you that are feeling some kind of call to ministry. Just offer some training. And so years ago, I read that at the Evanston Vineyard, they did a thing called the Barnabas Project. And, and was there a women's version of it too? The Priscilla Project, the Barnabas and Priscilla Project. And I thought, as soon as I'm able, I'm going to do something like that at Duluth Vineyard. And so I remember, like, I think I emailed Steve and Cindy at one point and said, what do you guys do? And I got this really brief outline, right, just really brief outline. And so then I just started doing that really brief outline. And we began to set aside every other Saturday morning, every other Saturday morning from 9 to 1, and just started interacting and anybody that wanted to come and hang out with us and get some training and begin to do this stuff. And over the years, it's, there's been times of great encouragement and times of incredible disappointment in doing that. But I got to tell you guys, like, it's totally worth it to invest in that. Because like, what else am I going to do? Touch my phone some more? <laughs> right? Peaky Blinders is just not that good. I, I, I don't need more Netflix. Right? And then here's, here's another piece. Uh, lean into evangelism yourself. Lean into it yourself. So evangelism comes from Greek word, euangelion. Euangelion means what? Good news. That's all it is. We are, we are hardwired to share good news. That's what social media is for. We are hardwired to do this. We can't wait to share good news. I tried this thing. I did this. This is amazing. The biggest problem is maybe we haven't actually come up for prayer recently. This, I'm talking to myself. And encountered anything good in my relationship with Jesus that's worth sharing. I haven't pressed into transformation and allowed him to do something in me that's actually worth sharing. My, my, my job is like not to actually try to teach people and guilt people into doing that in our local church. My job is to create an environment where they can have an experience with the power and the presence of the resurrected Christ in such a way that they can't shut up. Because when they have a really good meal at the favorite restaurant, they don't shut up. I just want them to have that kind of an experience with God. And then the only way they do that is if I'm doing that. And so here's uh, Tom Rainer recently did a study among pastors and found out more than 50% of American pastors in the last six months did not engage with anybody who didn't know Jesus to kind of invite them in that direction. You can do your own little figuring, but here's the deal. Half of vineyard churches 
lead five people or less to the Lord each year. Half of our churches are below five people, which means it's, it's not like happening much in some of those settings. And the only way that I've discovered for us in Duluth that that changes is if I rearrange my life and press into that. That's the only way. Bob Logan, uh, kind of, you know, one of the leaders of church planting in the United States for a number of years, um, in his research about this, figured out this. As a senior pastor, as a lead pastor, or as a staff person in a local church, you don't even have to be very good at it. Most of your efforts don't actually have to amount to much. But if you're making time in your life for this, like your whole church will make time in their life for it. And some of them will be really good at it. And so it's just your stories of even failure that matter. Am I, am I making sense? So I want to challenge us in that. Like, let's do this. Let's press into this together as a region. The same way that we've pressed into being healthy. The same way that we've grown in other areas of our life. Let's lean back into some of the basics of the kingdom. And inviting people into this. Because I really do think there's some stuff that God wants us to engage and grow in this. Does that make sense? When I'm out and about and people ask me, like, hey, what's the cool stuff about the vineyard? When I'm at Exponential or some other kinds of denominations or networks, I always list three things. Number one, like uh, em embracing the kingdom of God. Like just really allowing the theology of the kingdom to transform how you think and how, and how you interact. And one of the key parts that uh, Derek Morphy would talk about is the enacted, inaugurated eschatology, which means at any moment God can break in. At any moment, he can break in. That's number one. Number two, like, join the family. Like, the vineyard can be as helpful to you as you allow it if you just press in to join in the family. And then number three, engage in participating with what God's doing in the world today. He's doing some amazing stuff in our neighbors right next door if we'll actually just build relationship and begin to press into that. And then as we begin to train leaders... In our local churches, lead people to Christ, train leaders. We will multiply our churches. It's like you won't be able to keep it from happening. It'll either happen through like persecution early on in the book of Acts, or finally Acts 13, the Holy Spirit speaks to the leaders, and they send out Barnabas and Saul. I'm, I'm, I'm going to choose Acts 13 over Acts 8. Right? Am I making sense? All right. Let's stand up. Chair noise, the noise of our chairs, is one of the things I miss most when I'm not at Green Lake. I'm trying to celebrate. We all stood up. Holy Spirit, thank you for your presence here right now and for the things you're doing in our lives and in the room. We just thank you. We thank you for your graciousness, the way you meet with us when we just turn our hearts towards you. We thank you for that. You are, as we sing, a really good, good father.
and we welcome your presence. And Father, we do thank you for this family, this community, and just the health of relationship that we get to experience and the way that you challenge us to grow deeply, personally, to actually see our lives transformed. Thank you for that. Thank you for the things that you've taught us through one another, from one another, that are so good and healthy in that. That's a gift. For, for some of us, we might not have partaken, partaken of that gift very well yet. If your stories of personal transformation aren't from last week, you might need to lean in. If they're last year or the last decade, you definitely need to lean in. And Father, thank you for the way that you have really invited us to be part of family and where we feel the need to isolate or not participate. God, I ask that you put your finger on that and really challenge us this week. And for some of us, there is a deep, deep insecurity that keeps us from leaning into that. It's not just introversion, although you might call it that. For some of us, there is a deep insecurity that we have just given over to. And so we're never really authentic with people until we've known them for, I don't know, a lifetime. And I think God wants to open that up a little bit for some of us. And then there are some of us, when it comes to investing in other people and training them and really raising up leaders and living a life embodying and sharing good news of what Christ has done in us and doing in us today. There's some of us that, for whatever reason, I listed a bunch of them off, we've shut that down. And I think he wants to, like, explode that in our hearts and in our minds. That that becomes a much bigger um, part of who we are. And even thinking about that, for some of us, it scares the pediddle out of you. Like, like, I don't think I can do that. But at the same time, there's something in the back of your head that's going, but I want it. I want it. So let's do something where we pray for one another. If one of those things that I just listed speaks to you, let's just come forward. Let's do a thing where we actually, old school, let's come forward. God's doing something in you. And it could be around the whole idea of community. It could be around the whole idea of really pressing in and being healthy. It could be around the whole idea of evangelism, outreach. You know, expanding this thing. There's, there's something that you've kind of, you, you just dropped at that. One of those things. Yeah, God bless you guys. Let's, let's, let's just spread out down here in front.
Spirit, we welcome your presence right now. In your mercy, would you press in deep into our lives, God, right now? In your mercy, press in deep. Lord, come close. For those of us that feel discouraged, like, oh my gosh. Holy Spirit, would you draw close right now? Father, would you impart a hunger, just a deep, deep hunger for kind of more health in our relationship with you and with other people? I just ask for a deep hunger for more of that. I need more of that. I'm tired of running up against the same wall every single time, stubbing my toe on the same rock every single time. I'm tired of going around this thing over and over. And for those of us that have given into medicating that in some way, or the brokenness, the hurt inside, the thing that keeps coming up, we just cover it with alcohol, we cover it with porn, uh, we cover it with superficial relationships, we cover it with Netflix, we cover it with like some way that we're just like medicating that and pushing that aside. Lord, would you give us courage to actually like press into that and even confess that to one another and allow you to bring healing? And so, Father, put that hunger for actually living really healthy, biblical, godly lives together. Put that hunger within us. Like, bless that. Yeah, and then for some of us, it's that whole relational community piece. And so, Lord, I ask that you would put a hunger within us, just this deep, gnawing hunger for real relationship, that rather than isolating, rather than pulling back, we would lean into worship, we'd lean into relationship. Even practically, Lord, allow us to end up at the meal table with people we've never met and be able to be honest about what's going on. And when somebody gets honest about what's going on and they're around you, give us, God, give us courage to actually go there with them. Not just to go, oh, that was nice. Could I have more dessert? but to go there with them. Give us courage to actually be family. And then, Lord, I ask for a hunger. I ask for a hunger that we would be able to interact with those who don't know you well at, or at all. A hunger for evangelism and for discipleship and for multiplication of our communities and leaders. Would you give us a hunger to invest in those that are younger and older than us? to walk this tension really well. Lord, we just say, bring on the tension. Holy Spirit, come even more. 